Chapter Twenty of Woman as Decoration. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. C. Guan. Woman as Decoration by Emily Burbank. Chapter Twenty. Sex in Costume. European dress is the term accepted to imply the costume of man and woman, which is entirely cosmopolitan the crying continuity of types of costume and thoroughly plastic in the hands of fashion today we say parrot-like that certain materials lines and colors are masculine or feminine they are so merely by association the modern costume of man the world over if he appear in european dress we accept court regalia is confined to cloth linen or cotton in black white, and inconspicuous colors, a prescribed and simple type of neckwear, footwear, hat, stick, and haircut. The progenitor of the garments of modern men was the Lutheran Puritan revolutionary garb, the hallmark of democracy. It is true that when silk was first introduced into Europe from the Orient, the Greeks and early Romans considered it too effeminate for man's use but this had to do with the doctrine of austere denial for the good of the state. To wear the costume of indolence implied inactivity and induced it. As a matter of fact, some of the master spirits of Greece did wear silks. In ancient Egypt, Assyria, Media, Persia, and the Far East, men and women wore the same materials as in China and Japan today. Egyptian men and their contemporaries throughout Byzantium wore gowns in outline identical with those of the women. Among the Turks, trousers were always considered as appropriate for women as for men, and both men and women wore over the trousers a long garment not unlike those of the women in the Gothic period. Thais wore a gilded wig, but so did the men she knew and they added gilded false beards. Assyrian kings wore earrings, bracelets, and wonderful claps with chains, by which the folds in their draped garments, cut like the woman's, might be caught up and held securely, leaving feet, arms, and hands free for action. When the genius of the Byzantine, Greek, and Venetian manufacturers of silks and velvets, rich in texture and ablaze with color, were offered for sale to the Romans, whose passion for display had increased with their fortunes and consequent lives of dissipation, we find there was no distinction made between the materials used by man and women. It is no exaggeration to say that the Renaissance spells brocade. Great designs and small ones sprawled over the figures of man and woman alike. Lace was as much his as hers to use for wide, elaborate collars and cuffs. Embroidery belonged to both, and the men, like the women, of Germany, France, Italy, and England, wore many plumes on their big straw hats and metal helmets. The intercommunication between the Orient and all of the countries of the Western Hemisphere, and the abundance and variety of human trappings, bewildered and vitiated taste. Unfortunately, the change in line of costume has not moved parallel to the line in furniture. 
the revival of classic interior decoration in Italy, Spain, France, Germany, England, etc., did not at once revive the classic lines in women's clothes. End of chapter 20 Read by J.C. Guan, Montreal, July 2009